Yesterday I talked to God, we had a conversation Told him that I'm sorry, I lost communication But I just, I just needed some holy means I said the things that I've been trying end up in frustration Laughing what it seems in any situation that Life is a crazy combination of numbers, numbers, numbers we can't read. Yeah, for sure, I got some friends, but we got complications. Most of us are happier with some medication. Lord, I could, I could really use some wings. And he said, How does it feel? Nobody said this wasn't 
easy ride After all, we're only human Always fighting what we're feeling Hurt instead of healing After all, we're only human Is there any other reason why we stay? Back to the point in this conversation When we saw things through each other's eyes Cause now all I see is a ruin and devastation We all need some place we can hide inside Gelwicks. I use she, her pronouns. It is my absolute pleasure to be a member of your board of trustees and to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia this morning. 
We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty Minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help to keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. Finally, for those attending worship in our sanctuary this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. Um, we do have a couple of announcements this morning. Registration for the group relations workshop is open. Everyone who is interested in how UUCC acts and moves forward as a community of faith is invited and encouraged to attend. And if you're joining us in person this morning, we invite you to head over to Sanctuary B after service to meet and chat with workshop lead facilitator Brian Block. And now I have a brief message from your board of trustees. So on my way here this morning, <laughs> I turned on the radio, and the first song that started playing was Better Together from Jack Johnson, which I thought was just really interesting given the wonderful potluck we had yesterday, where we were all together, and the topic of today's service, and also the general message that I'm prepared to present here. So many of you know that on June 5th, um, the members of this congregation will gather together for the annual meeting. It's the time in our congregation where we live our democratic principles by voting on new officers and other business items. And we also vote on a budget for the coming fiscal year, which begins on July 1st. So to create this budget, we need to know what income we can expect in pledges so that we can plan our expenses accordingly. Those expenses include everything from paying staff to buying music for the choir to making sure we have the tech so that we can keep doing things in hybrid format. So we are currently significantly short of not just our goal, but also of just maintaining our current situation. And so, first of all, I do want to celebrate the fact that we have had 191 households pledge already, and over half of those folks have increased their pledges. So that is huge, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. However, there are still 90 households who pledged last year who have not pledged yet this year. That is a third of all pledging households. Now, if that third of pledging households were to continue their pledge, I would not be up here telling you all this uh, right now. Unfortunately, we still need a little over $140,000 to be able to fund our maintenance budget. And that is a lot. But if all 90 households would pledge, and if some of the folks who've already pledged might consider increasing their pledge, we would actually get there without any issues. So I have seen this congregation do amazing, wonderful things. And we do them when we work together. And I know we can do this together too, and that we can continue doing the amazing, wonderful things that we have all seen come from various directions in this congregation. And I'm going to end with a quote from Jack Johnson, which I heard this morning. <laughs> yeah, we're always better when we're together. Please pledge. Thank you. Thank you, Colette. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, choir. It's great to have you back two Sundays in a row. Yay! 
My name is Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she and her, and it is my great privilege to serve as minister of this congregation and to see all of you this morning, both here in the room and those of you who are um, connecting with us virtually today. If you are in the sanctuary and need a hearing assist device, please see the tech crew in the back. They will provide you with one of those if you need it. Um, you may find the order of service online. We are not printing a lot of paper copies of the orders of service these days, so use this QR code or use the URL that is probably in the Zoom chat for those of you that are remote right now. If you are a guest today, wherever you are, as Colette said, please complete that visitor form so that we can better stay in touch with one another beyond Sunday mornings. And as we usually do, we will be honoring personal joys and sorrows during the service today. This morning, it's going to come pretty early in the service. So if you have something you'd like shared with this community from your own life, please email that to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net or write it in the book in the back of the sanctuary in the next five or 10 minutes. And remember, those of you who are connecting with us remotely, you too can participate in some of the embodied rituals that we do here in the sanctuary, lighting a flame, whether you have a chalice or not, putting pebbles or stones or marbles in water when we honor joys and sorrows so that we can all share in those experiences together. Huge thanks to everyone who's contributing to this morning's service, the hospitality team, the tech team, the religious education volunteers, all of you. And thank you for all the ways that you are showing flexibility and resilience and adjusting to new routines from week to week. Like today, the tech team and the hospitality team are combining some new roles. The hospitality team had enough volunteers that we were able to open the downstairs doors and have greeters on both levels. So thank you all for the ways that you're contributing. And a very special welcome today to our guests, Will Tanzi, who is joining us remotely, so you're going to meet him later, and Brian Block, who is here with us again in the sanctuary today. Brian, welcome back. This morning's service is inspired in large part by the work of UUCC's Group Relations Workshop Committee and the work that Brian and Will have been doing with them as they prepare to conduct this appreciative inquiry experience for all of us in just three weeks from now. You're going to hear more from them about the workshop this morning, and I hope that by the end of today's time together, every one of you will have chosen to register for the workshop, if you haven't already, as some have, because the more participation we have, the more meaningful and valuable this experience is going to be for the congregation. But for now, I invite you to take a deep breath, settle your body wherever you are, and open your mind and heart and spirit to this experience of worship together. Teddy, will you come forward to light the chalice now with whomever you're bringing with you? It's gonna be a family affair this morning, come on up. Thank you, Teddy. Excellent. As we always do in Unitarian Universalist worship, wherever we are, we light a flame and a chalice to remind us of our connections across the miles. This morning, we dedicate this chalice with a poem written by Matthew P. Taylor. Matthew died late last year after this collection had been compiled, but before it was actually published 
So it is especially meaningful to share their words this morning. May they rest in peace and in power. This is titled, The Change. I can feel the change coming like growing pains. I feel the change in my bones, pulling me, stretching me, forming me into the true I am. Can you feel it? The change in our bodies as we adapt, grow, change. The weight shifting and molding to fit this evolving body that we are in, guided by faith that this too will pass. We can survive this because our ancestors survived. Can you feel them in your DNA? You, a mixture of their particles that was molded to fit your spirit, change and shift, mold and grow. Yet in some ways, we stay the same. Let us worship. Will you all now rise in body or in spirit? We're going to join our voices first in speaking together our congregational covenant, and then as we greet one another, and then as we sing together. First, I invite you to speak these words of promise that we make together. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind.
And now I invite you to greet one another with gentleness and you're in the room. Say hello to the folks on Zoom. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, Jim. All right, you're going to see the lyrics for Building Bridges appear on the screen, and we're going to sing this song through twice in unison. This morning. My name is Robin Slaw. I'm your director of religious education. I'd like to invite any children that are here that would like to be a little bit closer to come down for the story. I'm going to tell a story about me and my family when I was growing up today. So I had a big family. There were four of us children very close together in age, only a year apart between all four of us. And then eventually, much later, a fifth brother came along, a fifth child brother. And, you know, we were, we were a family that loved each other. We had a lot of fun together. We used to play together. And sometimes we'd have fights together. Sometimes. So how many of you have siblings? How many of you have brothers and sisters, including all the people in the back? Wow, look at that. Almost everybody has a sibling. And how did you know that your siblings loved you? How did you know that your family loved you? Can some of you tell me? How did you know that? Go ahead, tell me how you, tell me how you, know. How did you know. How do you know your siblings love you? Say it again, I didn't hear you. 
acti fun activities. You do fun activities together. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Ace? Your family always checks in on you, make sure you're doing Those are good ways to show that you love your siblings and your siblings love you. That's a good way to do it. How many of you have fights with your siblings? Adults too. There's a lot of hands that went up again. Oh my goodness. Well, so the story that I'm gonna tell you this morning is about a terrible fight that my brothers and my sister and I had. It was terrible. And it had a kind of a sad ending. I'll just warn you ahead of time. Um, we had a lot of pets growing up. We had dogs, we had cats, we had ferrets. And then one time, we had some hamsters. Do y'all know what hamsters are? There's a, go ahead, Stephen, what are hamsters? Yeah, they're small rodents. They're fuzzy and they're kind of nice and sweet and they can sit on your hand. And they're in cages. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it was our responsibility, my brothers and my sister and I, to take care of the hamsters. And so we had to, they lived in a cage in our, in our playroom and we had to feed them and give them water and we had to cuddle them. That was a really important thing to show we love them. We cuddled them. And then we had to change the cages. But the thing is, we didn't like changing the cages very much because they were stinky. Those of you who have had hamsters know what I'm talking about. And hamsters, they have to have their cage changed every week and sometimes twice a week. Well, no, they don't take baths. I don't think they like baths. That's a good idea to help with the stinkiness. That works for us as humans, that's for sure. Yeah. So what ended up happening was we were fighting about cleaning the cage because nobody wanted to do it. It was so stinky. So we fought. We said, it's your turn. And then the other one said, no, it's not. It's your turn. And then one of us would say, no, it's not. I did it last week. It's your turn this week. And they would say, no, -uh, it's not my turn. It's your turn. And we'd say, no, -uh, it's not my turn. It's your turn. You know how it goes, right? Well, we fought for such a long time that the cage got even stinkier because nobody was changing it. Now, here's a secret that I want to tell you. You might not know this, but adults don't smell as well as children do. So, you know, it was really stinky to us, but when, when, when adults get older and older, they lose part of their smell. So our parents did not smell the stinky cage for a long time. The cage got stinkier and stinkier, and that meant we were even more likely to say, no, I'm not cleaning it, it's your turn to clean it. And so we fought so long that something very sad happened. Because the cage got so stinky, we even stopped going into the playroom. And that meant that we weren't feeding the hamsters, and we weren't giving the hamsters water, and we weren't cuddling the, the hamsters. So can you guess what happened? They did. They died, and it was very sad. And so by the time my parents' sense of smell caught up to ours, and they realized there was a really bad smell coming from the play area, that's when we found out that the hamsters had died. 
And we were really sad. We cried and cried because we knew it was our fault. We were fighting so much that we forgot that we loved each other. We forgot that we were a family and cared about each other. And because we were fighting, because we forgot that we loved each other, then we hurt the hamsters. Okay. You, yeah, you don't want to forget that you love your, your siblings, right? You don't want to forget that you love your family. The moral of the story is not to get hamsters? Well, maybe, because, <laughs> because they do get stinky. I will admit that. But the, but the thing is, though, hamsters are really sweet and cuddly, and we really love those hamsters. So what I want you to know, the, the reason I'm telling this story today is because we here are like a family. We call each other family sometimes. This group of people that are all members of UUCC. And we're trying to build something that we call beloved community. And that means we take care of each other and we love each other. And today that's what we're going to be talking about, is about how we're a family and how we care for each other. And even in our covenant that we just said, we talk about how we nurture each other's hearts and spirits. And to me, that means that's how we love each other. And so that's what I hope, is that when you're in this place, when you're with your family here at UUCC, you will treat each other like family, and you will love each other, and sometimes families fight, right? We saw all those hands go up. So what I want you to remember is, if you do fight with somebody here, that you don't let the fight get so bad that someone gets hurt, all right? Let's promise to care for each other and nurture each other's spirits and make sure we don't harm each other. So I wonder, for everyone here and everyone online, what you will do to nurture your beloved community. So, RE children are going to go outside today, so parents, you will come and pick up the children outside on the playground, which is out this way, but they're going to stay through Joys and Sorrows, so we're going to go out when the music plays after Joys and Sorrows, so you can go back to your seats for now. Helena, will you stay up here and help me? Pretty please. Actually, I invite you to stay here at the chancel table. During worship each week, we honor the personal joys and sorrows that are shared by members of this community. And not only do we give voice to those joys and sorrows, but as Helena is going to demonstrate, we place pebbles in a communal bowl of water to symbolize and honor the ways that each individual life ripples out and touches us all and is held in this community.
Helena will put one more pebble in the water. This is in honor of all of those things that we're holding unspoken among us. Thank you. You may take your seat now. Will you join me now for a few moments of reflection and prayer as we hold all that has been spoken so far this morning? Holy Spirit of life, of love, may we feel that love for one another that carries us through challenges and fights and heartache. May we know healing, healing in our bodies, healing in ourselves, healing in our relationships with each other. And may we never forget that all life is sacred. Let us share a few moments of quiet and stillness that we might honor the prayers within us. Amen. Room, if you would like to come forward and place pebbles in the water, you may do that in silence now. Children, we will see you after the service ends. Enjoy your time together outside.
an excerpt from Why I Go to Church, written by Reverend A. Powell Davies, who served All Souls Church Unitarian in Washington, D.C. in the mid-20th century. Let me tell you why I come to church. I come to church and would, whether I was a preacher or not, because I fall below my own standards and need to be constantly brought back to them. It is not enough that I should think about the world and its problems at the level of a newspaper report or a magazine discussion. It could too soon become too low a level. I must have my conscience sharpened, sharpened until it goads me to the most thorough and responsible thinking of which I am capable. I must feel again the love I owe my fellow humans. I must not only hear about it, but feel it. In church, I do. I need to be reminded that there are things I must do in the world, unselfish things, things undertaken at the level of idealism. Workaday enthusiasms are not enough. They wear out too soon. I want to experience human nature at its best and be reminded of its highest possibilities. And this happens to me in church. It may seem as though the same things could be found in solitude, but it does not easily happen so. We meet each other as friends and neighbors anywhere and everywhere, but we seldom do so in the consciousness of our soul's deepest yearnings. But in church, we do. In a way that protects us from all that is intrusive, yet leaves us knowing that we all have the same yearning, the same spiritual loneliness, the same need of assurance and faith and hope. We are brought together at the highest level possible. We are not merely an audience. We are a congregation. I doubt whether I could stand the thought of the cruelty and misery of the present world unless I could know, through an experience that renewed itself over and over again, that at the heart of life there is assurance, that I can hold an ultimate belief that all is well. And this happens in church.
I'm really pleased that this morning we're going to be hearing from our group relations workshop folks. First, we're gonna hear from Jenny Fitzpatrick, who's a member of UUCC and is joining us remotely this morning. Jenny, thank you for chairing this group and for telling us this morning more about your work. And then Jenny is going to introduce our next speaker. Jenny, it's all yours. Hi, um, I'm Jenny Fitzpatrick. Um, my pronouns are she and her. Uh, and I have been a member of this congregation um, for more than 16 years. Uh, I've forgotten exactly how many years, but more than that. And I am the chair of the Group Relations Workshop Committee. I I'm very, very happy to be here today. I wish I could be in person, but it wasn't possible today. And I wanna start by thanking the tech team for the wonderful job that you all do on making these services happen. So I wanna tell you about the upcoming group relationship workshop, um, and that will take place on May 21 and 22, uh, four hours on May 21, five hours on May 22. Uh, there will be breaks, <laughs> there will be time to breathe. Um, and I urge you to register and to participate. The members of our committee, the GRW Group Relations Workshop Committee, have been charged with making this happen. And our membership includes Barbara Wright, Becky Reese, Jen Hayashi, Jim Johnston, Kevin Daniels, uh, Ken Crandall, uh, and me. And we've spent a lot of time on this, a lot of effort working together, and it's been extremely collaborative. Everyone has made hugely valuable contributions to the outcome here. And it's made a big difference, a, a personal difference to me. And I think the outcome will to you as well. In terms of our charge, the board charged us with the role of developing and implementing an expertly facilitated workshop. And the goals were to strengthen trust within interpersonal and or group relationships to strengthen trust in UUC leadership approaches and to build strategies together for moving forward as a community of faith that includes identified mechanisms for conflict resolution as we move forward. The GRW committee with board approval has selected two very experienced, accomplished neutral facilitation professionals, Brian Block and Will Tanzi, They've been working with us hand in hand to work with all of you who've been interviewed and to develop the workshop to meet the goals for all of us. They will be using a forward-looking approach known as appreciative inquiry. Brian Block will speak momentarily and Will Tansy a little bit later in the service about appreciative inquiry. To tell you a little bit about Brian, he's a New Yorker or was, he also, during college years, became a monk. He was a monk for 12 years, lived in India for 20 years in total. In the last 11 years, he has uh, been at the Department of the Interior here in Washington, D.C., in the Bureau of Indian Affairs, and has worked on conflict resolution with Native Americans. In terms of his background, part of his time in India was spent developing and introducing mediation to the Indian legal system. Currently, in addition to his work at the Bureau in Indian Affairs of Indian Affairs, he works in, on facilitation and mediation of faith-based 
peace building and setting up conflict resolution approaches with faith-based organizations. This service today is about us being human together. The essence of our being human together is the connections that we build with each other, our trust in each other, and our ability to work together toward a collective future. I believe that this workshop will set us on this path. And I strongly urge you, and I ask you personally, to please register. Please join us in this effort together. Have your voices heard on this very important effort for UUCC. And now Brian will tell you some more about the details. It was good to see you all. A friend of mine told me that uh, when you're working with UUCC, try to bring out your inner monk and not your inner New Yorker. <laughs> so I'm working on that. Uh, will and I have been on a marathon, but started as interviewing 30 UUCC people, ended up being a little over 70. Yeah, and it's, it's, been a, it's actually really been amazing. Um, just really rich conversations that we've had with so many of you. And I think if anything kind of stood out, it's how much y'all, I'm from the south shore of Long Island, so y'all, uh, how much y'all really care about UUCC. We heard about how you got here to be part of this community, why you're still here, and what your hopes are for the future. And naturally, during our time talking to uh, 70 of you, we heard about the, the, the conflict that uh, you know, really kind of started a few years ago and really kind of ballooned over, uh, over social media. And we heard you know, the pain that that caused you and the various opinions about what happened and why. We heard, we, I, I wanted to you know, acknowledge the pain that uh, many of you expressed at that time. And we, by the way, we also heard from people who really weren't part of that conflict and others who might have been in the beginning, but really, they really want to move past that now. So we heard like a kind of a spectrum of views on that. So I wanted to acknowledge that pain and at the same time help explain that we won't be rehashing that on the uh, 21st and 22nd. Also, the outcome of the interviews will be themed and will be presented to all of you. They're, just, they're not secret. You're going to hear in a few minutes from, from my colleague Will about appreciative inquiry in some detail. But, you know, there's no process that is like a silver bullet and that just, you know, cures everything and, uh, you know, it's not a cure-all. But I have found that this process, it's a great process, especially in the kind of situation that we're in. It's what we like, to, I like to use the word, it's kind of trauma-informed, it's resilience-oriented, it's, it's, it's soft on the soul. And it allows us to, through storytelling, talk about what's truly important to a community. So uh, don't, please don't be too uh, worried about what you heard about the four hours on Saturday, the five hours on Sunday. As we heard, there's going to be a lot of breaks, and, but more importantly, it's totally participatory. There's no, there's no uh, lectures, there's no um, death by PowerPoint. Uh, you know, you'll be, you'll be talking to each other, and through the process that you'll hear about, 
coming up with, I think, will be a really great, great solution. We struggled to figure out whether to do it virtually, do it in person, do it hybrid. We immediately struck out hybrid. Hybrid doesn't really work well in this kind of situation, and it would be great to do it in person. But the the challenge, you know, as we were discussing with the with the GRW group, there's some people who wouldn't feel safe being together in in the sanctuary here. And also, you know, I'm, there's 400 people in the congregation. We, I, I hope we get 399 of you signed up, and that would be too many uh, to be here in the in the sanctuary. The second reason is Will and I have had a lot of success, really good success, facilitating appreciative inquiry uh, virtually. So, so we ultimately went with that. And we heard a lot, a lot of people told us, "I'm really eager to find out what is the outcome going to be of this process." So the request is be part of the outcome, <laughs> okay? Please uh, be there on the 21st and sec- 22nd so that you can um, you can help guide the future of UUCC. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, and thank you again, Jenny. So yesterday, several dozen of us many of you, many others who aren't here this morning, gathered here in person, here at the Owen Brown Interfaith Center. We shared food, we laughed, we sang, we said thank you to each other. Some of us had never met before yesterday. Some of us hadn't seen each other in person or in some cases hadn't seen each other at all in more than two years. Some who came are seeking new connections after relocating to this area or emerging from challenging personal and family circumstances. Some of us were hoping yesterday to reconnect with friends from whom we've been distanced. Some of us needed to practice our underemployed social skills. Some of us then had to take a two-hour nap afterwards. (laughs) Some of us simply needed to be with people again. It was beautiful. It was sunny. It was delicious. It was very people-y. It was invigorating. And as I looked around that gathering of newcomers and old-timers and kids and teens and grown-ups, I was reminded that all of those who had gathered have found, one way or another, meaning and value in this particular community. A place where we believe that we can trust that we will all be accepted, listened to, understood, loved, even in our disagreement. And it is true that some of us disagree and not only about small, insignificant matters. We disagree about how things should be done around here, and we disagree about that quite intensely sometimes. We disagree about how congregational decisions should be made, who should have what authority, what should get funded, what constitutes social media etiquette or even social media literacy. We disagree about how the staff should be structured and supervised. What are the most important activities of the congregation? 
whose perspectives should be centered and amplified. We disagree about what things like justice and anti-oppression and covenant and principle actually mean. And our disagreements sometimes do lead to behavior that causes conflict and harm. And for the past couple of years, as you've already heard, and those of you who are brand new today have no context for, some among us, it's not the majority of the congregation, but it is also not an insignificant number. Some of us have been preoccupied with a protracted conflict that has been years in the making and then really erupted three years ago. And some of the disagreements at the core of that conflict are at best a distraction and at worst an obstruction in our congregation's ability to thrive and to fully embody a mission that calls us to nurture, inspire, grow, and act in the world. So for the last year and a half, a significant amount of volunteer and staff energy has been engaged in imagining how to transform this conflict so that we all as a congregation benefit from it. So that the conflict is transformed and we can more fully embrace a vision of the future that is expansive, welcoming, diverse, compassionate, justice-seeking, free, responsible, progressive, transformative. We speak of how this religious community is a place where we gather to practice what it means to be human, not just to experience rituals or learn about theology or pray to an external presence, but we gather to engage in the messy work of being in human relationship. And we in UUCC have decided that we're ready collectively to move forward. All of us, no matter our position in a conflict, whether we were affected by that conflict at all, even if we're brand new to the community and have no idea what that conflict was about, we are ready to say that discord is not going to define us. We want to look forward, not back. We want to actively practice the messy work of being human together. We're ready to celebrate that principle of democracy that says your perspective is as important as mine which is not the same as saying my perspective is as important as yours. No, your perspective, each of us says, your perspective is as important as mine. We won't all get our way in every decision that matters, but we will support the majority's decision for moving forward in good of the congregation. This commitment requires a willingness sometimes to suspend personal preference in service of that greater good. We are all faced with that tension at times. In his 2012 Berry Street essay, which I do commend to you to read in full, Reverend Frederick Muir wrote, 
We can weather the demographic challenges and in meeting 21st century needs, sustain Unitarian Universalism for generations to come. Fundamental to our survival is a paradigm shift that goes deep into the history, character, and epistemology of Unitarian Universalism. It goes to the essence of how we understand ourselves and relate to the world at large. First, we are being held back by a pervasive and disruptive commitment to individualism. Second, we cling to a Unitarian Universalist exceptionalism that is often insulting to others and undermines our good news. Third, we refuse to acknowledge and treat our allergy to authority and power, though all the symptoms of that allergy compromise a healthy future. These three organizing and corrupting narratives have shaped the dominant story we tell about Unitarian Universalism. Reorienting ourselves will be hard, but profoundly rewarding. I call this change moving from I, church, to beloved community. And I see that that's what the group relations workshop is about. Moving from the worship of individualism, what I personally want, to the cultivation of the collective beloved community. We will come together, as you already heard, not in person like we did yesterday so beautifully, because that would exclude too many people. And every participant needs to have a say in this forward-looking exercise that imagines how UUCC will truly live into its unique mission as a 21st century progressive religious community. At the end of April in 1964, almost exactly 58 years ago, the first members of the Unitarian Universalist Society of Howard County gathered to decide that they would indeed establish a congregation here in this county. And now, whether you have been a part of UUCC for 58 years, or 58 hours, or 58 minutes for some of you who walked in the door for the first time this morning, you are invited to have a say in how we orient ourselves for the next 58 weeks and months and years. Powell Davies wrote, as you heard earlier, I doubt whether I could stand the thought of the cruelty and misery of the present world unless I could know through an experience that renewed itself over and over again, that at the heart of life there is assurance that I can hold an ultimate belief that all is well. And this happens in church. So please, on May 21st and 22nd, join the movement to renew our collective assurance in that belief that ultimately all will be well. I hope to see you there as we continue practicing this messy, messy work of being human together. Amen. Michael's going to again offer us the gift of his music as you are invited to offer your financial gifts to the ongoing work of this congregation in the world. Your offerings are always voluntarily given and very gratefully received.
You may put offerings in the basket in the back of the room if you're here in the sanctuary, or you may give electronically using the instructions that will appear on the screen. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you, Michael. And now I'm very pleased to introduce you all to and to welcome to our space Will Tanzi, who is the second of our two facilitators and is going to tell us a little bit more about what we can actually expect on May 21st and 22nd. Will, welcome. Thank you, Paige. Hello, everyone. My name is Will Tanzi, and I use the pronouns he and him. I'm very grateful to be here with you via Zoom this morning and for the opportunity to talk to you about the GRW workshop and the appreciative inquiry process that we will use. Appreciative inquiry AI says that human systems like UUCC grow in the direction of the types of questions they ask of themselves. All of the interviews we did help us determine the questions you should ask of yourselves during the appreciative inquiry. Those questions are focused on the strengths of a community and the appreciative inquiry process. The future is consciously created by this focus on core strengths. The energy created by this generative process democratically creates and mobilizes ideas and solutions that we may never have thought possible before. By focusing on strengths, appreciative inquiry does not avoid problems, 
Rather, it reframes problems by focusing on the desired outcome and leveraging our existing strengths to achieve that desired outcome. On the other hand, a conventional problem-solving approach can be energy draining while amplifying our problems and differences. The co-creator of Appreciative Inquiry says, the Appreciative Inquiry Summit or workshop is not difficult. All it takes is a belief in collective human capacity and a desire to challenge conventional patterns of change that continue to fragment and isolate us from one another. Uh, I'd like to ask if you could please share the slides. Thank you. So I, I wanna share briefly with you um, an experience I had in facilitating an appreciative inquiry with another faith-based organization. This process was done with representation from across the whole demographic spectrum of the organization. And the focus of inquiry was to begin succession planning and looking at the future of this organization. This slide is a snapshot of the output from the first two stages of the appreciative inquiry process, the discovery and dreaming stages. At the bottom of this slide are the responses we got to the question, what is at the very heart of the organization that we must retain no matter what else changes, that one factor that gives life to your organization? And I know you can't read the words, but the boxes at the bottom of the screen, those are the individual responses that we received. After the discovery process, we moved into the dreaming stage where everyone worked together to identify themes that emerged from the previous discovery phase. These themes that emerged are what you see in the middle of the screen as the trees. So the tree on the left represents the organization when, it's, when it was at its best. And the tree on the right represents what the leadership of the organization look like when they are at their best. And the very top of, of the slide is a continuation of the second stage of the dreaming process, where participants were asked to envision what their organization would look like if all of these themes they identified were alive and well in their organization as if they were already taking place today. And so, this gives you a little idea of the first part of the appreciative inquiry process. With the next slide, we jump ahead to look at the output from this appreciative inquiry process. At the end of the process, the group ended up with a number of initiatives, some of them you see on this slide. Over 100 participants were inspired to step forward and work on these initiatives, initiatives that are still being worked on a year later. The next slide shows the four stages of the appreciative inquiry process that we will go through together during the GRW workshop that will help to bring out the best of UUCC. By attending the appreciative inquiry workshop on May 21st and 22nd, each of you will have a say in designing how UUCC can move forward as a community. One of the strengths of the appreciative inquiry process is that it relies on the collective wisdom of the group and by doing so, it ensures that every perspective is heard and that solutions and futures are designed that include everyone. For me personally, the best way to understand appreciative inquiry is to experience it. And in a moment, 
we're going to give everyone the opportunity to get a small taste of appreciative inquiry. After asking these questions, we will have a minute of silence, and I encourage you to take this time to pause and deeply reflect on these questions. Next slide, please. I ask you to reflect on a time when you felt most like UUCC was your community, your family. What were you doing personally during this time? And what impact did this time at UUCC have on you? So we're gonna pause now and take a minute to reflect. The last question I want to ask is, what goes through your mind and heart as you recount this time? And during the social hour today, after service, I invite and encourage each of you to find someone to share your story and reflections from these questions. I'm very grateful to each of you for your time today and for the opportunity to share with you and I sincerely hope to see all of you on May 21st and 22nd for the GRW workshop. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Thank you all. Will you rise now in body or in spirit? We're going to sing two verses of a very favorite hymn of many of us, Blue Boat Home.
to depart from one another today, I invite you to hear just these closing four lines of the poem Beloved Space, written by Jan Carpenter Tucker, published in Blue Notes, which is also where the Matthew Taylor reading came from. And this book is available in the UUCC bookstore. Jan writes, if love holds power, how much will it take to be love, breathe love, be loved, beloveds, in this beloved space? Amen. Amen.